1: Good morning and welcome to Dirt Radio, Friends of the Earth's radio show on 3CR. We're coming to you live from the studio in Fitzroy and I would like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging This year at Friends of the Earth, we're celebrating 45 years of resistance. That's 45 years we've been mobilising communities, resisting the the oppressive forces of patriarchy and capitalism and transforming our future to be one where living rivers flourish from their headwaters all the way to sea. My name is Megan, and with me in the studio today is Phil.
2: Good morning, everyone. How are you, Megan? Oh,
1: I'm very well.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty cold uh, Melbourne morning out there. It feels like winter's really come in with a sledgehammer.
1: Oh, it has. Last week in particular.
2: Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, what have we got coming up on the show today?
1: So today on the show, we will be talking to Richard Swain from the Reclaim Cosy campaign. Richard is an Indigenous river guide from the Snowy Mountains uh, and an ambassador for the Invasive Species Council. Mm. Uh, He's been watching the impacts of feral horses on the national parks uh, and rivers and has been following the debate around it.
2: That sounds great. So stay tuned and uh, we'll be talking to Richard after a quick community service announcement. You're on
0: 3CR. Victoria's roadside drug testing program is not about road safety. In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform, it was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment. Currently, Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA, but those detections do not correlate with impairment. Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council forward slash petitions and look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117. A 3CR supporter.
1: Now, oh, welcome back. This is Dirt Radio with Megan and Phil. Uh, and we've talked about rivers on the show a few times this year, from fish kills to struggling communities on the Barker, the Darling River, but we haven't heard what's happening at the headwaters. The Murray-Darling Basin covers a staggering 1 million square kilometres and much of that water originates on the west side of the Great Dividing Range. Joining us on the line is Richard Swain, an Indigenous river guide from the Snowy Mountains and an ambassador for the Invasive Species Council. Thank you for joining us, Richard. Good morning. How are you going?
3: Yeah, not too bad.
1: That's good. So, firstly, um, can you tell us what's going on in the Snowy Mountains that's influencing uh, the health of our rivers?
3: Uh, Yeah, the Snowy Mountains supply approximately a third of the Murray-Darling Basin, and a lot of that is stolen water, stolen from the Snowy, through the Snowy scheme. And it's meant to be caught in a really pristine national park, our Alps, the Alps, Extremely unique to the world, as unique as the Barrier Reef. And uh, the park's being destroyed by feral animals, basically. And
1: And you've been working to have feral horses removed from the national park. Uh, What exactly, um, uh, what damage exactly are these animals doing?
3: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, the feral horses are one of the ferals. Um, The biggest issue with them is that. The government in New South Wales has chosen to protect them as um, under heritage and culture. And the horses are the, probably the most detrimental to the to the waterways. That, that's where they focus their habits, on the waterways. The, the pigs move a little differently through the country and so do the deer. And the horses are just a growing problem that um, it seems we're not allowed to control their numbers because... Certain people think they're part of our culture and heritage.
1: And what do you say to people um, who think that the horses are part of our heritage?
3: Uh, (laughs) I say Australia as a whole has never had a harmonious relationship with hard-hoofed animals. And if you want to know what your heritage is, take a handful of the dirt you're standing on, And if you want to know what your culture is, it should be protecting and caring for that landscape you're standing Um, on. We need to progress beyond the last 230 years of environmental devastation, really, and and start to unite and start to form a connection to this landscape.
1: And so specifically um, talking about the impacts that the feral animals are having, like what what is happening to the native wildlife and the habitat and ultimately the rivers downstream because of these animals?
3: Yeah, there's, there's 34 named species of uh, flora and fauna that are under direct threat from feral horses and some will be driven to extinction. Uh, they, a lot of these animals, plants and animals, they evolve there in the mountains. They have absolutely nowhere else in the world to go. And there's, the figures say that there's going to be 9,000 horses, which they always go to the lower number of what there would be to save argument. So there's going, there is going something like 12,000 horses in Kosciuszko National Park. Mm. And they are wreaking havoc. They, um, there's one three-kilometre of, of Tantangra Creek where this little stocky Galaxias, the little native fish, it's the only place left where it exists. The reason that only exists there is because of trout. Trout are introduced and they're like the fox of the river. They've sort of hunted these poor little fish to near extinction. And in that three kilometres, there's 50 horse crossing. And um, they evolved in clean water so they don't uh, nurture their eggs and, and they need really clean cobble. And the horse is basically muddy up the stream and, and they're going to be the final nail that takes these things out, it, unfortunately.
1: Hmm, it's terrible. terrible.
3: Well, they're even talking about fencing off part of this creek within the national park instead of controlling the horse number. It's a moronic situation Just that's gone obscene at the moment. So.
1: And so, what would you advocate for?
3: Uh, follow the best science. Um, you can muster up some horses, you can trap some horses, you, you know, you rehome, whatever, but um, in the end, you that hasn't been, you know, effective at reducing the numbers. So we are going to have to lethally cull if we're serious about saving the national park. And currently we lethally cull pigs and deer and uh, goats, etc. and nobody complains at all. It just seems to be the, the emotional attachment to the horse, the feral horse.
1: Yeah, and it is interesting how we put more... Um more concern around some species other than others um, and people have, you know, concern for the welfare of these horses. But, mm. you know, what, what is the, the ultimate impact is that the welfare of our native ecosystems and our native animals is at risk if we don't. Um,
3: yeah, well, uh, I mean, you, you end up being an extinctionist by proxy. Only your weapon of choice is a six hundred kilogram horse. Um, You've got to look at the big picture, and humans have always managed this landscape as as long as they've been on it. And sometimes tough calls need to be made, but um, that's part of the responsibility of this land—you know, being custodians of this landscape. We need to take that responsibility, and we need—we need to do that.
1: So, how? Where is the government in? acting on any of these things? What's the Ab- current plan at the moment?
3: Absolutely nowhere. We know there, that there are... So the northern end of the park, about oh, 15 years ago, I think there were 70 horses. There's now over 3,000. Just That's just a physical count. That's not even um, a you know, scientific count. So we know that we could be trapping every day of the week, but we're going to now wait for a community advisory panel. And the reason it's going to be a community advisory panel is because no scientist will agree with having a feral horse destroyed our native ecosystem like that.
1: And, I mean, the community is everybody. Uh, perhaps could could we be putting people on that panel to offer up different opinions?
3: Hmm. Yeah, a lot of us uh, boycotted it because we didn't even want to give oxygen to the plan. Um... The New South Wales Labor government, had they got in, they were committed to repealing this abhorrent act. Um, we're now probably going to have to wait three three years. There is a 12,300 signature petition in New South Wales Parliament at the moment, and there's going to be a protest on the 22nd of August outside of the New South Wales Parliament in Sydney. Uh, whether we'll get change in the next three years, I, I'm not sure. Um, we really are heading down a yeah, a really non-ecologically sound next three years, the way we're going. And if, if they think they're going to just trap them, it won't. It, you cannot trap enough to keep up with the numbers.
1: And when they trap them, where do they relocate them
3: to? Uh, well, yeah, uh, well, it's a drought, so nobody actually wants them. And the other problem is if... If there's 10 trapped, everyone wants the one pretty one and, and the other nine aren't wanted. So they end up going to Avatar And At the moment, we're, this, our path is being destroyed and we're being overrun by emotional people who are really quite vocal, quite violent, threatening. And they're having the win here. Um, the Australians, we're not. Um, our landscape isn't, and anyone who... As an ounce of common sense, we're having a big loss on this one.
1: Mm. I mean, it's interesting to hear that the result of the trapping process is that the horses get killed anyway.
3: Yeah. Uh,
1: that somehow a that's lot. more humane.
3: A lot. I think it was a I, I fellow like from 4BP Horses committed to taking as many horses as he could, but even now in the drought, he's struggling to find homes for the horses. mm that's the reality of it. You could it would be nice if you could herd and trap and everyone and, and every pony found a home, but it's not the reality, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. The the most humane method, and it's the one that the public really despises, that is aerial culling. It's um, R S P C A back it, it's forty five seconds, chase time to total death. The very same minister Our Deputy Premier, John Barilaro, called called it cruel and barbaric. However, it's not cruel and barbaric to airily cull other animals, only horses. You have a trained sniper, a trained spotter, a veterinarian, and a trained pilot. And he called it cruel and barbaric. But he also handed out 230,000 tags to untrained marksmen, any Joe Blow, to shoot kangaroos. Mm. nobody's trained on the kill zone of a kangaroo nobody's trained on the mob structure of kangaroos on which ones you should shoot and yet he calls true you know, professionals killing horses um, appropriately as cruel and barbaric
0: mm. and
3: so it's misleading in every angle
1: and yeah it's cruel and barbaric to kill horses but not to let our ecosystems die our native animals die um, and force, as you said before, put the final nail in the coffin for some of our most endangered species.
3: Yeah, and 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 look, even if I'm, even if I and the entire scientific community are wrong on this, and and it is detrimental to take the horses off, we can put them back.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: we can't replace those natives when they're gone. Yeah, you know the broad tooth the broad tooth mouse or rat. It, it evolved there over 50 million years, and basically, where horses go in the landscape, mastocami disappears. It's um, you can have one or the other.
1: Mm. Just another part of the extinction crisis that we're we're going through on this continent, unfortunately.
3: Unnecessary. It's an unnecessary crisis, and, and these foreign feral horses—I'll call them—that's an unnecessary. Feral animal within there. We we have the means, and we we just we're fighting. It is a cultural battle. Yeah, we're fighting the. I believe the lack of culture that modern Australians have. That's that's the biggest problem here.
1: And on that, um, do you have any ideas on what we could do to start to change the culture?
3: Yeah. Well, we need to form a connection to this landscape. And even if we're going to sign a treaty with Aboriginal people, we need to sign that that treaty with this landscape. So I would like all modern Australians to, you know, take the shoes off, stand on the ground, and accept this continent, that land that you're standing on, as your heritage. And then accept the caring for it and protecting it as your culture. That is your culture. That's what it means to be an Australian, a person of this land. And they're going to sign in the Liberal government in Canberra today. They're not going to walk outside and take a handful of dirt. They're not going to commit to this landscape. It's all going to be done on carpet and indoors and, and, it, and everything will be about people and government decisions, et cetera.
1: With $300 shoes on.
3: Yeah, but they're, they're missing... The root, the very root thing about being an Australian, the very thing that's a, you know that gives us sustenance and, and provides for us, is the land is standing. On. All these decisions, it's currently we would not be killing the barrier reef if it wasn't in our culture to do so. We're going to keep making these poor decisions, like protecting feral animals over and above our native animals. Unless we get our culture. And um, we need to get our culture back. And the landscape needs a voice in, in, in every, every discussion.
1: It's and, very, uh, very powerful words you've got there, Richard. Um, and that's why we'd love to support you in trying to change that culture and get people connecting to country more. Um, we want to launch a social media action. Where people start taking pictures of their feet in direct contact to the soil, to the land, to the country, um, and sharing those pictures. Um, yeah. So, would you like to start us off today, where you can send us in a photo of your feet on country that is important to you, and we can put that up uh, on the on the uh, Dirt Radio website?
3: Yeah, my gnarly old feet. <laughs>
1: Well, there's nothing more beautiful than connecting to country. It doesn't matter what your nails look like.
3: (laughs) It is important. The day that it's written into the set of neighbours or home and away, that's the day we won't be killing the barrier. That's the day we won't have all these bodgy decisions.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there.
3: And and We we won't move forward without the best science either. We have a manipulated landscape now. We're going to need all that good knowledge to move forward.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us on Dirt Radio today, Richard.
3: All right. Thanks, Major.
1: Yeah. We'll speak to you soon.
3: Good on you. Bye.
1: See ya. And that was Richard Swain, an Indigenous uh, indigenous river guide and ambassador for the Invasive Species Council, talking about the feral animals that are causing havoc in the Kosciuszko National Park and the Snowy Mountains. This is Dirt Radio and we'll be back right after this.
2: Hello, this is Dan Salton and you're listening to 3CR Blackfellow Radio, Melbourne. You're listening to 3CR, um, back with Phil on the Radio. Um, we just heard a wonderful interview uh, done by Megan with uh, Richard Swain, Indigenous River Guide from the Snowy Mountains and Ambassador for Invasive Species Council on the Impact of Feral Horses in the Kosciuszko National Park. What a powerful interview. It was great to hear um, Richard's perspective on that and also that, that idea around culture and really that we need to shift the culture in this country and start um, connecting literally and spiritually back to the land Um, and you know so many of our issues can um, be resolved around that Yeah
1: I really love the idea I really love the idea that um, you know remembering that it's all Australians heritage I guess as a white Australian I've always been kind of scared to uh, or unsure how much I can embrace or can't embrace uh, our Indigenous heritage and you know remembering that It is our heritage and connecting to country and... supporting traditional owners in that way mm-hmm. is the best thing we can do
2: yeah, and just the the respect of living on a in a land with uh, such a long and um, beautiful history um is such a privilege and a, a total like a amazing thing that we have countries like um china really talk about their five thousand year old civilizations and we know in this country it's 120 plus thousand years which is a uh, time beyond uh you know like um uh, the ways that our mind can understand so It really is an important aspect of that and respecting the land and and connecting with it. There's um, so many fights that can learn from those wise words. Of course, if you missed the interview and you want to hear um, all of those wide words from Richard, then you can catch up with the podcast on um, 3cr.org.au forward slash dirt radio, where you can hear all of the shows, um, whether it be Megan, myself, or M, or right back in history to many other people who've been part of the Dirt Radio crew through history, you can um, find them um, online on 3cr.org.au. And don't forget, you can follow the Reclaim Cozy. Facebook page to stay up to date with feral horses, and we're going to get you to send us some of your snaps um, connecting to country. It's easy to ground yourself by placing your bare feet in the soil, take a picture, and then use the hashtag connect to country um, and tweet them out there or chuck them up on Facebook or Instagram uh, or any of the other social media platforms that people who are old like me don't understand yet. (laughs) Um, And they use hashtags, hopefully. (laughs) Um, So, That's hashtag connect to country. Take a picture of your feet in the soil and show how you're beginning your journey on connecting to country. Of course, we've just gone through the Power Radical Radio Radiothon, um, and it's not too late to donate. Um, We're still a little bit off our station target of $250,000 to keep Radical Radio on the air. So it is not too late to even just call up now and donate. You can always do that or become a subscriber. Um, so, you can be part of the way that the station is run. So, you can give us a call on 039419 8377. That's 039419 8377 and be part of Radical Radio 3CR. Before we go, because there's only um, a couple of minutes left, I'm looking at the clock and thinking, wow, how time flies when you're having fun or enjoying a very, very interesting interview. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There are some events that are coming up around Friends of the Earth and the Friends of the Earth grassroots environmental and social justice community. So on the 20th of July, there is the Act on Climate Film Night, which is the Edinburgh edition. I believe this is going to be a very, very long day slash night with Food, drink, and some David Attenborough in our brand new Cinemaret. So um, get along to that one. It is going to be on the 20th of July, starting from 7pm and going till midnight. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a very long one. So um, I believe there'll be lots of comfortable things to sit on, but that should be a lot of fun. Watching David Attenborough films and talking about how we can act to save the planet. There is also a fundraising film night coming up. Who bombed Judy Barry? And that's going to be on at Friday the 26th of July at 7pm, um, also in the newly christened Yami Lester Room. Um, so that is um, funding for the ongoing work to pre- protect the Straslecki Koala. So of course Judy Barry and Daryl sherney were Earth First organisers in California whose car they were travelling in was blown up in 1990 by a logging company and government interests. Uh, Most people will remember the Rainbow Warrior in New Zealand being blown up by the French government. But uh, here's another story of state-sponsored terrorism against those who seek to protect the planet. Also coming up every Saturday at 2 p.m., You can come along to the Emmy Lester room, to the little theatreette, and enjoy a documentary. Last week, we screened Black Hole, the story of transforming a forest into a coal mine, a real tearjerker, looking at the Laird blockade and the resistance uh, against the coal industry that spawned and really um, captured the imagination of people around the nation back in 2012 through to 2015.
1: Um, It's a really wonderful film that I think everyone... Interested in stopping Adani should um, find a way to see.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'm sure there'll be more screenings. Um, a couple of people who watched it on the weekend said they wanted to rescreen it again. Um, a real tearjerker for me. I lived up there for a while. So.
1: Mm. Well, you are, uh, you feature in it.
2: Uh, <laughs> they're wearing a mullet. It's a bit embarrassing, but <laughs> it was hey, the style of the time, people. <laughs> For the
1: listeners who don't know, I am currently sporting a very good Smith Street mullet.
2: And I am currently sporting a foot in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're here at the end of the show. Um, Wonderful to be in the studio with you, Megan.
1: Uh, Thank you for joining me, Phil.
2: Cool. Um, We're going to go out with a track. What are we going to go out with today, Megan?
1: Uh, Today we will be listening to the song Walla is Life by Alara. See you later. While well, is life, while well, it falls from sky.